from Spam 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 Humbug. I'm Kenneth Cooley, better known as WTF Dragon, and this is a complete reading of Andrea Cantato's Through the Moongate. Chapter 14. Changes. I had already done three hack-and-slash kind of games, and quite frankly, I was bored with that. I wanted to do something with more lasting meaning to it. Richard Garriott, interview with J.C. Hertz, Joystick Nation, 1997. So I'd see these letters that called the game a satanic perverter of America's youth. Suddenly I realized how much people were reading into these really simple games that I'd never intended to have within them. Richard Garriott, interview with Computer Games Online, 1999. Speaking of Ultimus, Lord British was concerned enough about the criticism which the fantasy role-playing genre receives to invest thought on what the game itself does to the players. He did not want to be guilty of designing a game which implied that violence was the answer to all or even many of life's problems. That is why he, along with Roe Adams, developed the eight virtues to be measured in Ultima IV. Wyatt Lee, a foreshadowing of fantasy jewels in a dual arcane, Ultima V and Wizardry IV, Computer Gaming World, 1987. With the publication and subsequent marketing of its first game, Origin's small team could momentarily catch their breath. Preparation of the 100,000 copies of Ultima 3 had put a strain on the programmers and employees of the company, while its newest preoccupation was to respond to customers who turned to OSI for technical support, for help solving the game, replacing defective floppies, and reporting their triumph over Exodus, as requested at the end of the game by Lord British himself. Unhappy that he had never received feedback from CPCC and Sierra Online, Richard had decided to include an invitation to contact him in OSI's offices in the closing card of Ultima 3. Congratulations! Thou hast completed Exodus, Ultima 3, in however many moves. Report thy feat! To players who did report this feat, Garriott sent a special certificate, signed by Lord British. Many users also felt the need to contact Origin to recount their experience playing the game and to give advice or positive feedback about Ultima 3. A great pleasure for Richard. To a lesser extent, Richard did not derive pleasure in reading letters from some players bragging about having found a way to kill Lord British. He hadn't been too concerned about protecting his virtual alter ego in the first two installments of the Ultima series. Opting to give the Lord British character extremely high stats and many, many hit points. This didn't stop particularly determined players from maximizing their own stats and taking on the challenge of killing the ruler of Cesaria. In Ultima 3... Garriott did everything he could think of to make his alter ego invulnerable. Unfortunately for him, some users discovered that Lord British was unaffected by weapons, but not by naval cannons. Entering combat with him and luring him out of his castle until he was within reach of ship-mounted weapons allowed players to wear him down with cannons until he perished rather ingloriously. There is an amusing parallel here with Italian history and the story of Giovanni dalle Bande Nere, or... Lodovicio de' Medici, a famous Italian condottiero, a mercenary military leader, in the early 16th century who fought against 12,000 infantrymen with his 400 knights. They were so heavily armored, virtually invulnerable to arquebuses, the state-of-the-art firearm of a time, that a clever ploy was needed. The enemy lured his troops into an ambush and fired at them with falconets, small two-inch cannons, mortally injuring Giovanni. With Lord British's first documented death at the hands of a player, Richard had to reckon with the fact that once the player was given a certain amount of freedom of action, the game escaped his control. 
the problem would arise again in the future with even more frustrating consequences for the game designer. At the same time, Chuck Bichet's Caverns of Callisto was achieving modest sales success and made it evident that the entire financial success of the company still depended on Richard. He had estimated that he had no more than two years to produce another chapter in the Ultima series that had to sell at least as well as Ultima 3. The lack of profits in the meantime also limited OSI's potential to grow. Not that Richard had to cope with many big sacrifices. With his Mitsubishi sports car, Garrett was doing much better than his old acquaintances in Austin. In one of his numerous visits to the SJG headquarters, the repurposed barn, Richard met for the first time a young man named Warren Spector, recently hired as editor of Space Gamer magazine. According to Spector, I looked out the window of my office and saw a black Mitsubishi pull into the gravel driveway at Steve Jackson Games in a cloud of dust. My first thought was, wow, none of us can afford a fancy car like that. Then I remember Richard walking into the office in his full all-black regalia, bling and braid. I do remember thinking Richard personified what I thought success looked like. The constant separation from his wife took a toll on Robert Garriott's marriage. In the second half of 1983, he tried to convince Richard to move the company to New England. Robert proposed a deal to his brother, move OSI to Massachusetts for three years, which was about the time that he figured his wife Mary would need to get a promotion and with it the possibility to move to Austin with the whole group. Every time Richard had moved away from Austin, he had struggled getting used to new environments, but this time was different. Richard could take his most trusted friends with him. Robert, after all, could no longer ask his wife to be patient while he spent three weeks a month in Austin, thousands of miles away. When the decision was finally made, it was November. Each one of the seven OSI staff members drove a vehicle. With five cars and a pair of rented moving trucks to transport the bulkiest material, the caravan set off. No one had considered that the New England winter would be harsher than the one in Texas. Soon, the roads turned into icy, snowy avenues, and rear-wheel-drive cars, such as Richard's Mitsubishi, proved unsuitable for the extreme weather conditions. Nevertheless, the company arrived at its destination and took its place in a large, two-story house beside a forest. Compared to their garage in Austin, the new OSI headquarters was a respectable step forward, and Richard decided to celebrate by spending about $10,000 on new electronics, including stereos and televisions. Being far from home and from his parents, while running a small but promising company with his brother Robert, Richard wanted to give everyone an encouraging signal. Unfortunately, before the group could unpack, a band of thieves broke into the house and took everything of value. Richard filed a complaint, received a refund from the insurance company, and replaced what was stolen. Ironically, the thieves decided to give it another try and cleaned the place out again. In fact, the problems had only just begun. It was at about this point that feedback on Exodus arrived, and Richard learned about the controversy his game had ignited. Some interpreted Lubay's artwork as a demonic image, and certain organizations, already fighting against Dungeons & Dragons, had expanded their list of targets to include Garriott's latest creation. Taking into account the personal experiences of players and the controversy, in addition to the killing of his alter ego, Lord British, Richard began to rethink how to evolve the Ultima series. To this point, the game mechanics had not only allowed players to save the world by acting like bandits and psychopathic killers, but had made crime the most convenient way to finish the game. Garriott wasn't the best dungeon master in the company, but he understood that something was profoundly wrong with a role-playing game where the goal was to save the world from evil by committing malicious acts against the same population that the player was aiming to save. In fact, Garriott readily admits... The early Ultimas and all of my competitors have what I call standard fantasy role-playing scenario number one. 
where you're the great hero. Your job is to kill the big bad guy. And what you end up doing is you travel around the world pillaging and plundering, beg, borrow, and stealing, and doing everything you can until you build up enough magic and power to assault this supposed bad guy who never did anything to anybody in the game. And you wipe him out and you win. And I thought there's not much meaning to that. Richard was starting to change his mind about how to design his games when a chance encounter changed the history of computer role-playing games forever. When Roe Adams III obtained his bachelor's degree in applied mathematics from Brown University in Providence, he had no idea how much life would take him away from what he had studied. Worldly and possessing excellent writing, inventiveness, creativity, and intuition, Adams was an experienced board game player, and pretty adept at Dungeons & Dragons as well. His favorite character, born on paper in a role-playing session, was Hawkwind. He was also fascinated by Japan and anime, as well as Scarabri, a Neolithic village brought to light a hundred years earlier by a violent storm. Passionate about video games, Adams began a career as a writer and journalist in 1981 for Soft Talk, and authored analyses of the nascent video game industry, as well as reviews, comments, and reporting on market trends. He wasn't a prolific writer, but his articles were very interesting and sometimes showed extraordinary insight. In the September-October 1985 issue of Computer Gaming World, he dedicated his column to the boom in computer role-playing games in Japan and how the local industry had been influenced by wizardry and Ultima. Being an avid player of text adventures, he didn't skip any of the games published by Roberta Williams and played them all with determination. During Christmas of 1982, Sierra Online had published Time Zone, an adventure so big that it was advertised as 12 times greater than Wizard and the Princess. Despite the very high price, $99 or about $243 today, Roe Adams III had bought it and after playing it day and night for a week, finally defeated Ramadu and named Williams' work as one of the most beautiful games he had ever played. Despite this, sales of the game were actually quite disappointing. His continuous contacts with software companies led Adams, in 1983, to start a career in the video game industry. OSI itself was the first company to enlist him to write Exodus's Book of Play. The following year, Adams started a collaboration with Greenberg and Woodhead for the Wizardry Manual, which sold well thanks to the continuous expansions for that game. These collaborations would prove to be particularly important and fruitful for both the evolution of the Wizardry series, the fourth scenario, the return of Wordna, saw a radical change in that game's design, and for the distribution of anime in the United States. Adams and Woodhead ended up founding Animago. The move of OSI and Richard Garriott to New Hampshire made cooperation with Adams much easier. Adams must have liked the experience a lot, because he was actively involved in the development of a new Ultima, but not only through writing its documentation. And, at the same time, he began working on other collaborations, including a CRPG for Interplay Productions that a programmer named Michael Cranford was developing mainly by himself, titled Tales of the Unknown, Volume 1. The proximity to all of these companies not only enabled Adams to actively participate in the creation of Ultima 4, but also allowed Richard to introduce him to the SCA. The writer took part, with increasing momentum, in the activities of the society, to the point of obtaining recognition as a Grand Master of Arc in the registers of the Kingdom of the East on December 1st of 1987. Given his interest in writing, archery, and history, Adams did use the opportunity to lend his pen to the SCA. In addition to becoming the chronicler of the Kingdom of the East from 1986 to 1987, together with Nan Nelillian of Scarab he personally edited volume 37 of the series The Complete Anachronist, dedicated to the longbow and published in 1988. Together with Adams, Garriott developed the idea of a game system that would secretly take into account the player's actions in a way not dissimilar to how he had done when he was a DM, evaluating them and possibly penalizing those who deviated too much from their morality with dramatic changes in alignment. 
Later, Gary revealed that the idea behind the system had come from watching a television documentary about the avatars in Hindu mythology. Realizing that the 16 virtues of Hinduism were far too many for a video game, Gary had tried to simplify the model. Perhaps, at the suggestion of Adams, who was certainly the more literate of the two, the ethical model of the new game ended up being directly influenced by The Wizard of Oz, using the three principles of truth, love, and courage. The combinations thereof made up the eight virtues in this new system of values. Honesty from truth, compassion from love, virtue from courage, justice from truth and love, honor from truth and courage, sacrifice from love and courage, spirituality from truth, love, and courage, and humility from the absence of the three values of truth, love, and courage. The resulting system was not without its flaws. The graphic representation, similar to a Star of David, was unable to explain, for example, how the absence of these three principles could give rise to the virtue of humility. Nevertheless, the system of using virtues to somehow control the stats and fate of a character in a game was a complete novelty at the time for CRPGs, and this was just what Garriott needed to generate a new hit. The implementation, as we will see later, would be very complex. Curiously, though, the mechanics of the virtues were born before the story in which they were supposed to be used. Richard felt that the first three episodes of his series only repeated the pattern of gaining experience until the player could beat the ultimate enemy, i.e. the story was really only a pretext for the action. Garriott and Adams decided to break with the past and start from scratch. The decision was made that the destruction of Exodus in Part 3 had triggered a planetary cataclysm, upsetting the world of Caesarea, reshaping it with the destruction of cities and the rearrangement of entire continents. The New World finally changed its name to Britannia and was once again ruled by Lord British. This time, the world was not in danger or on the brink of some great cataclysm ready to be annihilated by an enemy. Instead, Britannia was a flourishing land in the middle of its renaissance, just like Camelot before the Knights of the Round Table dispersed in search of the Holy Grail. The eight major cities were each a capital of one of the eight virtues, each holding a companion to the player's party. This time, though, the player was no longer named the Stranger, but Avatar, and was on his, or her, own search for the virtues. Having conceived the game system, and having created an intriguing background, Richard was only at the beginning of a long journey that would lead him to the completion of a new chapter of the Ultima Saga. To learn more, subscribe to Spam 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 Humbug on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Anchor.fm at anchor.fm slash sssshpodcast or at spam 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 humbug.com. To find out more about Through the Moongate, visit thera.it. That's T-H-E-I-R-A dot I-T. You can also find the book on Amazon. And of course, you can learn more about the book and its author at andreacantado.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-A-C-O-N-T-A-T-O dot com. A big thank you to author Andrea Cantato for not only undertaking the effort of writing through the Moongate, but also for agreeing to allow for it to be read to you in this and following Spam 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 Humbug episodes. Tune in in a couple weeks' time for the next chapter. I'm going to make some games and I'll show them to you when I'm done.